Today on Locked on Anaheim Ducks, I am joined by Sarah Avampado to talk about the ECHL and should we be playing hockey and some of the morality around it. All of this on today's Locked on Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. How's everyone doing today on this Wednesday, the penultimate day before we celebrate Christmas? And for those of you that celebrate, Merry Christmas. And just want to remind you that you can hear this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you hear your podcasts. Make sure to rate, comment, subscribe if you haven't already. And be sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, you could follow me at StimpyJD or at LO underscore Ducks. And I'm joined once again by Sarah Avampado from Locked on LA Kings, Locked on NHL, Line to the Throne. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm counting. I'm counting the days until uh, that alleged January 13th start date, where um, I'm just going to assume the Kings are going to lose their opening game. Wow! You're... But you know, it's it's coming. Yeah, three weeks away. Exactly. Yeah, one, two, three weeks away. Can you believe that? No, no, I can't. <laughs> it's hard to believe. And by the way, we also have World Juniors starting in a couple of days, so be sure to check that out. So this is a topic that you addressed on your podcast recently and something that I wanted to address in regards to a particular league. Uh, So let's start with pretty much what you talked about in your podcast a while back. And we could start with that before getting into what the ECHL is doing first. Yeah, so one of the things that I keep wrestling with is World Juniors um, because... Uh, you know, it, it's such a well for Canadians. It's basically like another holiday from you know everything I hear from from my my friends up north. Uh, and it, it's always just such a fun time of year. And you know, for those of us who get a whole bunch of days off of work around that time, you can just sit around and watch hockey all day long. You're seeing the future stars of the sport. And every other year, like it's it's something to celebrate and it's super exciting. And you're seeing the best of the best and and all that stuff. This year. Um, they've already had to scrap pretty much their entire exhibition game schedule because teams all keep coming down with COVID. Uh, some of the top players uh, have been, have had COVID have, you know, are, are quarantined like team, like team Sweden is basically just like a hot spot right now. I don't even think they don't even have a coach because they're like coaching staff keeps getting COVID. Um, and, and so, like I, I started thinking about it on on my show of, you know, it's one thing for us to have the NHL back and to have the AHL and the ECHL to have those teams playing again, you know, for better or worse, you know, they they at least they're they're playing, um, and they're all grown adult men, uh, you know, for for a given value of maturity. Uh, for they're some also of them. getting but, paid a lot of yes. money. They're getting paid they're, they're getting big bucks. They're getting paid a ton. Like the lowest, you know, league minimum is, you know, what, like 750K or something, yeah. seven, you know, around there. So that already is like more money than like most of us could ever dream of getting in a year. Uh, and so, you know, they're getting paid a ton of money. They're going to have access to, you know, the best testing, you know, best medical care if something does happen, whatever. Um, even, even discounting how fast and loose the NHL sometimes plays with caring about player health and safety. Uh, you know, at, at least at, at the NHL level, I am you know confident that 
these guys are making mostly informed decisions and, and know what's going on. And again, like you said, they're getting paid a ton of money. Yeah. But for the rural juniors, these are kids. These are yeah. just kids. And this is the thing that I struggle with as far as college sports in general are going. Because you're putting these kids at risk of playing every day. Look at what's happening in college football. You have a plethora of teams that have played a handful of games. I've counted more games than I want to as far as cancellations in college football. Look what happens to the Pacific, the Pac-12. University of Washington could not play in their big game last weekend because of COVID. They got replaced by Oregon, who subsequently beat USC. Then you have cases like Ohio State, where they were allowed to play a championship game despite missing a bunch of games also because of COVID. These are kids, folks. The, they are young men who haven't made money playing the sport they love. What if they get sick? And I'll give a really example that has rocked the sports world, but not enough to cancel it. Look what happened in Florida recently with Keontae Johnson, who did have COVID. He had coronavirus earlier in the year. And fast forward to a couple weeks ago, where he collapsed on the floor after making a dunk. And this is too reminiscent of other such cases where someone had an issue internally and collapsed on the floor. And the one that's seared in my memory is Hank Gathers. If you don't recall, Hank Gathers played at Loyola Marymount University back in 1990. And they were playing the Big West Tournament. He had a heart condition beforehand. They still let him play. And then he collapsed on the court and died on the floor. Still one of the more traumatic things you could ever see. Uh, one of one of my earliest memories. I wasn't at the game. Don't worry. I wasn't at that game. But I was at the service at Loyola Marymount. The public service. And I don't think I've told you this. Or I don't think I've mentioned this at all on mm -mm. this podcast. Because it's a hockey podcast. But I went to that service. Where uh, they had a public thing at LMU. To celebrate the life of Hank Gathers. And as a young kid, I always remember, why did you let him play? Because he had a heart condition. And it's still in my mind today. Why did you let him play? Same thing in Florida. Keontae Johnson had coronavirus. We still don't know the long-term effects of that. He may not play ever again because he was in the hospital in critical condition. Apparently, he was close to dying. So you have to you have to think about the welfare of these students. They're students, students, folks, student athletes. Let them live their lives. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And I, I keep thinking like we, we've talked a lot over all of this. And I was going to say summer, but it's December yeah. uh, through, through all of all of the past months of everything that's happened in the, in the country and, you know, politically and, and socially and culturally and everything. And we've talked a lot about hockey culture and, you know, how, how that impacts the, the, the players and sort of creates this this universe of, you know, team first, not putting, you know, not looking out for your own welfare, whatever because you, you have to be a good teammate. You have to be a good, you know, guy for your, your buddies on the team, and you don't want to be seen as the weakest link. Um, and we've seen a lot of that in the NHL with guys who end up with painkiller addictions or 
uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Ryan Kessler, yeah. who talked in a documentary that TSN did about, you know, just what all of the things he had to put his body through and the, the medications they had him take, how they have basically were like ruined him. Um, and so we, we talk about it a lot in, in that aspect of guys, even powerful hockey players being afraid to speak up or, you know, not knowing how to get themselves out of the situation because the team and everyone is saying, if you want to go back out on the ice, you have to do this. And so they do it. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. And, and again, the Anaheim connection they're, here, they're grown men. Yeah, there's an Anaheim connection. Tyler Skaggs, he passed away last year. Uh, He had opioid addiction, and look what happened there. He passed out and died in his hotel room in Texas last July, if I remember correctly. One can lead to the other. I know it doesn't always happen, and I know some say, well, it's only painkillers. No, it can lead to other stuff, guys. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and like so, we 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 have this. We we know this is a thing. We know that the culture of of hockey in particular is like rife for this kind of stuff to happen because of that team first mentality. And again, we are asking, you know, eighteen to twenty year olds, seventeen to twenty year olds, to to put themselves in a position. We're putting them in a position where they know that World Juniors is. A, the path to winning a medal for their, to represent their country, mm-hmm. and B, the, the path to really kind of help skyrocket their future career. For guys who haven't been drafted yet, like, it's a chance for them to get in front of people. This is the first meaningful hockey almost any of these guys are going to be playing, uh, except for, you know, some of the European guys who are coming back over. Um, and they, how, how do you say no to that? How does a player who gets named to Team Canada on a squad that is, by all accounts, going to just be phenomenal? Like Quentin Byfield is on the fourth line for Team Canada's World Junior squad. Like that's how deep that team is. Um, like who is going to say no? What eighteen-year-old person is going to say, you know what? I'm going to sit this one out because there's a pandemic going on. Like they're not. Like their brains aren't fully formed yet, and they are part of this culture that like says you have to do the thing if you want to be successful, if you want to be, you know, a, a good teammate and a notable player and you want to have this great career, you have to do this thing. Right. And and just knowing that we are asking teenagers or early, you know, 20-year-olds to, to do this, to make these decisions and to play – in a situation where they could potentially, as we're seeing with Sweden, for example, where they could get a, 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 a an illness, a disease, whatever we're going to call it, that we don't know what the long-term effects are. Yep. And we already That's, know. There that it is, there right are, there. Like, yeah. like, And we already know that, that it's that COVID has a very high chance of, you know, developing heart issues like we just saw um with the basketball player with Keontae Johnson yeah yeah and and they've they found this a lot in college sports of players who had to step away you know 18 19 20 year old guys who had to stop playing their sport because now they have a heart condition because they got COVID practicing football or whatever and I do want to mention that go ahead yeah and like that like that's we have seen in hockey we can both recall 
any number of grown adult men with heart conditions yep. that that's the point I wanted to get to. That's yeah. the point I wanted and, to get to exactly yeah. because we've seen that a handful of times in recent years. Uh, the two big ones that come to mind right away are Rich Peverly mm-hmm. and one that will stay burned in my retinas for the rest of my life last year or not even last year, this year. It seems like long ago, but Jay Bomeister mm-hmm. back in February 11th, he collapsed on the ice in front of kids. There were kids in the crowd right there. And I'm bringing this back to the whole kids thing. But you saw Jay Bomeister collapse. He was an older gentleman as far as hockey goes because he was very seasoned. And we still don't know exactly what caused that because all we know, it was a cardiac episode. The heart is for all we know about it, it's still a mysterious muscle in our bodies. And when you consider that COVID does have an effect on heart issues, and as someone had mentioned, a listener to the podcast did ask recently, you know, what is it with hockey players and heart conditions? It seems like it's more common in hockey players than in any other sport. And they're not wrong. Mm -hmm. I think we see this more in hockey, unfortunately, because of the high pace they play at, but also because of the stop and go. They go hard for Mm -hmm. one minute at a time, then they stop. Then they go really hard for a minute and a half. And sometimes they go even harder than that. To get your heart going and stopping at that pace, that takes its toll on the human heart in general. So you have to be cautious. It's a fragile muscle and something that we kind of have to keep in mind. And again, these are youths. This is where I bring it back. There are kid there were kids in the crowd that saw that and are you going to have kids on the ice that unfortunately I mean they're going to be playing I mean we hope that nothing happens but this is still a gigantic risk for these kids that haven't been paid yet that's the brunt of what I wanted to get to as far as that goes uh sir we're up against it so before we talk about the ECHL uh we're going to talk about the exclusive sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network, which is betonline.ag. So what betonline.ag? It is a fantastic sports book that has several lines for hockey. And are you guys ready for hockey? Because, hey, it starts in three weeks. This is the only place that has you covered and the one place that we trust, which is betonline.ag. They will have the NHL games. They have futures. You can bet on who's going to win the Calder Trophy, who's going to win the Rocket Richard Trophy. They have futures lines for all of that for your NHL needs. Once again, go to betonline.ag, and if they sign up today for a free account, they will get a 50% welcome bonus if they use the promo code Locked On. So once again, betonline.ag. Your online sports book experts. And coming up, we're going to talk about the ECHL and what they're doing. And we're going to get to that on the other side. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez and special guest Sarah Avampado from Locked On NHL. Sarah, how are you doing tonight? I am, you know, like I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about hockey. I am 
enjoying the fact that we might have it again soon. And and yeah. I, I I'm just I'm just so thrilled, yeah. <laughs> even though I don't. I, I, I time has no meaning anymore. <laughs> but it's been a long time. Yeah, there's there's some good and bad with this. Uh, once again, this show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the exclusive sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, so I did mention this at the start, and I do want to bring up the ECHL, formerly called the East Coast Hockey League. There have been a number of teams that have opted out, including, very surprisingly, Idaho. I didn't think Idaho was going to be a team that was going to opt out because they're close to Utah, who are playing. So first, I want to get to the teams that have opted out already. They are the Adirondack Thunder, Atlanta Gladiators, Brampton Beast, Cincinnati Cyclones, Idaho Steelheads, Kalamazoo Wings, Maine Mariners, Newfoundland Growlers, Norfolk Admirals, Reading Royals, and Worcester Railers. Yes, I know how to pronounce Worcester, folks. (laughs) I, I've I've been there. I've seen the Sharks. I know what's up. <laughs> um, the two teams that are question mark, the Toledo Walleye, who might not come back, and the Fort Wayne Comets, who might. So there might end up being 14 teams playing in the ECHL. As of right now, there are 13 teams playing. And Sarah, I'm going to tell you the states where these games are being played. Um, tell me what they have in common. Texas. Florida, South Carolina, South Dakota, Missouri, Oklahoma, Kansas. You you see where I'm going with this, right? Uh, What is states that aren't really taking coronavirus seriously? That is the correct response. Wow, you did that in Jeopardy form. I did. I did. You're welcome. You don't know how happy you just made me right now. (laughs) (laughs) I thank you sincerely for that. But you hit it on the on the head. These are teams that aren't taking the pandemic as seriously. Uh, for better or worse, they're allowing fans. That's the real reason why. These are places that allow fans. Because the ECHL is very much a gate-driven league. And I'm going to go with... Well, first, uh, I will say there was one team that I don't know what their exact story is. The Jacksonville Iceman, but I will say for the record, almost every team has a mask requirement. Are you shocked that I said almost every team? I wish I was shocked, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm just going to peel back the curtain a little bit. Um, I, I told Sarah which team it was, but there is one team that does not have mask requirements. If you had re- if you had read off to me those states instead of what happened when we really discussed this, which was me trying to figure out what ECHL teams still existed, um, <laughs> I, I think I think that ha- had I you know had the full information in front of me, I would have been like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, I'll admit I was a little bit shocked to even hear that some teams are playing. So I want to go over um, all the teams that I heard from, and by the way, thanks for that. Uh, the Kansas City Mavericks, 50% capacity. They play at the Cable Dahmer Arena. They have a capacity of about 5,800, so they could have about 3,000. They said their cap is 3,000, so it's above 50%, which is a lot. And also right there, uh, Jacksonville also has a pretty high percentage. Um, I don't know the exact number, but it's a pretty high percentage. 
Although, it varies there because their capacity is 13,000 at that arena, which is the Veterans Memorial Arena. So for what it's worth, they have a big arena. They are they can be flexible with that. And the same goes for the Orlando Solar Bears. They play where the Orlando Magic play, which is Amway Center. Uh, their capacity also varies. But again, it's the Orlando Solar Bears. They average about two to three to four thousand a game, so they can very easily social distance. Uh, the other Florida team, yeah, they're also at guess what, Sarah? What percent do you think they're at? Oh, eight million <laughs> in a percent. <laughs> um, well, like sixty percent, almost half capacity, fifty percent. So, the Florida teams they vary. They're playing it fast and loose, but they're not. They're not the team. All three of those teams have a mask requirement. Florida is at half capacity with approximately a 3,500 max. All right, that's fine. Um, the team that you thought, what was the one that you thought would be the loosest? Because um, there was a couple that you said. Let me pull that up. Oh, you thought Tulsa, Oklahoma might have a very loose yeah. capacity. Uh, by the way, the Ducks affiliate. No, they're <laughs> actually like really nice. They're running at 25% capacity. Hmm. That's reasonable. That's very reasonable. Um, only Florida is, you know, they're playing it fast and loose. But I'm going from the highest percentage to the lowest percentage first. Uh, the Allen Americans in Texas, one-third capacity, 33%, 2150. And pretty much at almost every arena except for, I think, three or four, there are... No cash transactions, so everything has to be card. That's fair, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, no events, so no Zamboni rides, none of, like, tossing stuff on the ice. That's also fair, right? Super fair. Now, there were four teams that recently had a teddy bear toss. Guess how many of those teams actually had teddy bears tossed onto the ice? One. None. Oh. At least they were good about this. So the teddy bear toss is a tradition where after the first goal for the home team, you would throw bears onto the ice. Um, what some what teams did, I think, is pretty ingenious. And honestly, I was kind of hoping that the Ontario Reign, uh, your uh, affiliate team for LA Kings, I was hoping they would do this, but they didn't. And I'm kind of upset about this. So <laughs> one team, they had a teddy bear toss where you drive by on your car and from the passenger seat, you throw your your teddy bears onto a specific area. <laughs> so like you're tossing them at the, like towards the arena. So that's your version of a teddy bear toss, but it's from within your car. I that's love a, it. That's at least kind of, you're okay with that, right? Yeah. I think that's super cute. It's kind I hate to say this and admit this. That's kind of an ingenious idea, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what everyone else did is you could bring teddy bears, but they, you could just hand them outside. They had trucks outside the arena, and you could just hand the teddy bears in to donate to a local charity, to a local children's hospital. It's still great that they have that. These are trying to brighten the children's day. And honestly, like money's great and all that, but I think a lot of these kids would rather have some kind of comfort. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, give them give them the chance to have a teddy bear to know that someone really cares. That, yeah. That's that's just my personal opinion. 
I thought it was ingenious to toss your teddy bears outside of your car. I thought that was a great idea. And it avoids the problem that I always have when I take part in a teddy bear toss, which is I'm really bad at throwing things. <laughs> and so inevitably, like, I just pelt someone in the head with, with a bear and then I feel bad. Um, and so at least this way you can just hand your enormous bear to a person or, like, gently yeet it out of your car window onto a truck um, instead of being like, oh, crap, I hit grandma in the face with a with a bear. Uh, so for, for the throwing impaired uh, like myself, I really like this idea. For me, I could actually throw it from that from that press box. I'm very good at that. Um, I realized that we're up against the break. So before um, we go into the break, I just want to mention one final thought. Um, I've been on both sides. I've thrown it from the top level. I've also been on ice level during that. There has been a couple times when I ran the clock, when I ran the scoreboard clock during a teddy bear toss. You cannot imagine the horror when you're on ice level and you see a bunch of fans throwing bears onto the ice and you know you're going to get pelted. <laughs> That's amazing. It, it is fun. But at least the players on the bench are all wearing helmets. Those of <laughs> us in there, we're not wearing helmets. I've been hit by bears. I've been hit by harder objects. Um, I've been hit by a puck twice. Oh, no. Oh, I still have one of those pucks. That's a different story. I think I've mentioned this one before, but we're going to head into the second intermission. But before we do that, we're going to talk about the best tasting protein bar in the land, which is Built Bar. Uh, Sarah, I've talked praises about Built Bar, so instead, I'm going to let you talk about Built Bar for a hot second. Um, so my favorite thing about Built Bar is the fact that it tastes not like I'm eating a protein bar, because I definitely went through like the phase of being like, I'm going to eat super healthy things, and because I should. And it turns out they all taste really boring. And instead, I can have something that is both good for me and tastes like I'm eating like a piece of cake. Uh, and, and I still get all the benefits of healthy stuff like high protein and all that while it tastes delicious. So that is my favorite thing about Built Bar, which is covered in 100% chocolate. And it is basically the best treat you could look for to like boost your energy and still eat something that isn't going to like make you sad later yeah only 130 calories and hey it helps me climb those mountains and it it really helps me because this active dog that is seen on the locked on ducks twitter her name is zuri by the way great mountain dog to have <laughs> and our newest spokesman or spokes spokes dog for built bar they come in a variety of flavors like cookies and cream cherry barcia double chocolate there's an orange flavor. There's just a ton of great flavors, too. So it's not just the same one or two varieties. No, they have a dozen flavors. So, Sarah, where can they go get Built Bars for themselves? You can go to BuiltBar.com. Check out all of the great things that they have available there. And uh, when you're at BuiltBar.com and you make your purchase, there's a special code that you can enter uh, in that checkout box to get a discount. And what exactly is that code, my friend? It is locked on, which will get you 20% off your next order. Once again, that is builtbar.com. Promo code locked on gets you 20% off. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. And it tastes like a candy bar, too. That is fantastic. 
And after this, we're going to continue our talk about the ECHL on the other side. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Once again, joined by Sarah Avampado from Locked On Kings and Locked On NHL. And I want to give a quick shout out to the Wichita Thunder for being a tremendous team and for being one of those teams that actually had some kind of teddy bear toss this year of sorts. So shout out to them. I think it's fantastic that some teams are still allowing fans to bring their teddy bears in. Uh, Sarah, don't you think that's a great idea to have? You know, I do. I, I think that it's a cool way to to have the teams still be involved in their communities and yeah. also keeping everyone safe while while they're at it. So way to go, ECHL teams yeah. on your revised teddy bear toss. They the ECHL is a very creative league. I'll I'll put it that way. Having covered the ECHL for a few years and being part of this wild, wild west, the promotions teams in the ECHL have to be creative, and I feel like some of them hit a home run. What I, I know there's the whole, should we be playing a lot? But for those that are, they're really trying. They are. So uh, I haven't mentioned these teams yet, so I'm just going to mention them really quickly. Uh, the Allen Americans, they're at 33% capacity with a max of 2150. The Greenville Swamp Rabbits are at 30 to 35% capacity. They're hovering around 4,000. The Indy Fuel, 33% also. Not bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm impressed. Then we get to Tulsa. The Tulsa Oilers, 25% capacity, about 3,500. And by the way, Tulsa people, really cool. Love the Oilers. The Wheeling Nailers. This one's interesting. They're at below 25% capacity, but there's a caveat to the Wheeling Nailers. They have a very small arena. The capacity there is under 5,000. And they're kind of lower as far as attendance goes. They are only, only allowing season ticket holders into the arena. So they're not even allowing fans, like public fans, to buy tickets. The only way to get extra tickets is if they're added on to a season ticket holder plan. In order to keep the attendance, that's really impressive. Go ahead. That's really impressive. Like that, they that that's a really well thought out. I mean, if you have to have fans, if you have to do it, um, that that's the way to go. Honestly, I like that idea too. At least keep it open for those really loyal fans, because you already have them paying money for season tickets. You may as well at least cater to the STHs because those are your really loyal fans right there. I mean, yes, on average, you do get some walk-ups, but if you limit it, it'll keep those fans happy. It'll keep everyone safe. So kudos to you, Wheeling, for doing that. The South Carolina Stingrays, they're only at 20%. And in fact, um, they're only doing pods of up Mm. to four. And the pods are very, very spread apart. So South Carolina is only 20%. Utah is also 20%, a max of 1,800. This one, Wichita, 11% capacity. 15... First off, that's a real weird number. Yes. <laughs> but they're super nice, too. I mean, they're they're taking it probably the most seriously out of all the teams. Only 1,500. 
And yet they're super friendly about it because they said we have to have the season ticket holders in mind. But we are going to allow a max of a couple hundred walk-up tickets for those fans. Which is still smart. Because they figure that's the minimum amount where they're not going to lose a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So I got to give kudos to those teams that are... Tw- for me personally, 25% or under I think is okay. 11%, wow. I mean, they're really... Yeah catering to one fan uh there was one team i left out for reasons there's one team that is playing it very very fast and loose and sarah i know you have some thoughts about this so as soon as i tell you what this is the rapid city rush out of south dakota they are the only team in the echl that does not have a mask requirement it is highly recommended they are running at near full capacity at almost 5,000. Here's the kicker. They had a sellout in their season opener, and they also had a tailgate party and kind of like a party thing before the game. And this is, once again, in South Dakota. Sarah, I know you have some thoughts on that, so I'll let you go ahead. You know, we, we talked we talked about this before. You gave me a little preview of what was going on with Rapid City. And yet still, when I heard it again, I have this like very visceral anxiety reaction to that. Like, first off, I'm even I'm uncomfortable being in a building with like two other people uh, like that. That gives me like you know the, the, the shakes now. So being in a building with like a thousand other people or 2000 or 3000 whatever like i don't know how you do it um it is i am waiting to see how many games rapid city actually gets to play before they have to have things postponed or get shut down or they turn out to be like the plague vector of south dakota um i mean i i I would have been covering the (laughs) the utah tulsa series but those games got postponed. So it's already happening in the ECHL. Oh, it's just, I get, like, I get it. I get that these are leagues that are gate-driven even more than, like, these these leagues, these teams need fans. They need the concession revenue. They need all that stuff to, to be viable. And that's why we're seeing so many sit out the season entirely, um, either due to local restrictions or due to the fact that it's, it's actually more profitable essentially for them to not play at all than it is for them to play to, to a diminished capacity. Like, I, so I get it. I get that they want to like do whatever they can to keep the doors open and the lights on and put a product on the ice. But, but Oh man, it just feels so irresponsible to me to, to do this. I mean, I struggle with this in general, but not having a mask requirement to have it quote unquote mm-hmm. highly recommended I I was shocked. I mean, yeah. How how do you not require masks at this point when the pandemic yeah. is raging at the rate that it is? That's what gets to me the most personally. And I'm really torn. And I don't know if you're torn on this as well. There's a part of me where it's like, we should not be playing at all. But then mm-hmm. I'm seeing the creativity of some teams and how they're doing it. And mm-hmm. it gives me a little bit of hope again that maybe, just maybe, there can be a safe way to do this. There can be a safe way 
to have some fans in a crowd. I mean, I'm still not sure if I'd be okay with that. But, I mean, do you see where I'm coming from? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's we, we we all want it to happen we all want to see to see hockey back in whatever whatever way and i th- yeah i think that there are a lot of teams finding the best way to go about it that 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 they can and we are seeing you know minor leagues especially the ECHL like you have to be scrappy both to be a player there and to work there um you know there there are people who wear wear eight hats in their job you know they're they're the broadcast announcer and they're also the person who writes the the copy yeah. on the website and yeah, they also we, take photos there. we've just, been there like yeah we've all been there and and you know, so they they are doing so much with so little uh, that I, I I can't help but wish them success and hope that everything goes really well for them because they are just giving it all to to make this season happen. Um, but yeah, the other fifty percent of my brain is like red light, stomp on the brakes, please stop. <laughs> I think if every if it was uniform across the league that every team mm-hmm. had a requirement of a certain percent or some kind of requirement. Mm-hmm universally i think i'd be a little bit more okay with this but the fact that it varies team to team i mean yes it does feel a little strange to me to play to a full crowd but at the same time it's really strange to only have 11 percent, which is a weird number to have by the way 11 percent. that that one's still strange but at least it gives some normalcy i mean look at the reaction across the league when the news came out that NHL is coming back. Were fans excited? Heck yes. But at the same time, were people cautious? Heck yes. There's going to be a lot of give and take. And this goes to the NHL as well. So I do want to ask this very important question. And I feel like this should be at least talked about before we wrap up. Seeing how a lot of the ECHL is doing this in a responsible and smart manner. Do you think it's okay or wise or otherwise responsible for some teams to bring fans into their games? Yeah, I I think that, I mean, ideally, the answer is no. Ideally, the answer is everyone stays home and, you know, we we end this thing once and for all. But I know that that is unfortunately not the way the world works. Uh, I, I think that most of these teams are trying to do this as responsibly as possible. And, and you know, the places that are having pods and doing the best that they can to, like, socially distance in the arenas and requiring masks, like, if you have to do it, that's the way to do it. Um, and and I, I hope that we see that. I think that once the AHL comes back, they're going to have a lot of the same uh, predicaments as we're, we're seeing the ECHL in, and uh, we're probably going to see a lot of the same things happening at that level, too. So... Yeah, yeah. I, ideally, we don't have fans anywhere, and and everyone stays home and watches online or on TV. Yeah. But, uh, that, but that's not the way the world works. I, I will be frank here. Um, a lot of times, you're going to get a better view on TV if you have mm-hmm. the ability to watch the games on TV. For the NHL, this makes more sense. But for the AHL, not every game is televised. The American Hockey League is also a gate-driven league. So if you're going to do this, be more like the teams that are doing this at 25% or other or under the teams that are more responsible, like a South Carolina, Tulsa, Utah, Wheeling, Wichita, you know, those kind of teams that are doing it more spread out. There is a better way to do this as opposed to being like Florida. I'm just saying as an example, there is a there is a good way to do this 
if you must have fans and if you truly insist on doing this. Otherwise, just stay home just for this year, you know, or at least wait until the vaccine gets more widely spread apart. That's where I'm coming from. So, yeah, this this is a big, big topic that I know is in the back of a lot of people's minds. And frankly, I don't think this gets talked about enough, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it, it or it gets talked about a lot, but not by the voices that can amplify it. Like we're not seeing like Bob McKenzie or something, yeah. uh, you know, that, that can give it really the, the attention it deserves. So uh, please, if you're listening and you feel like you want to share this with, other members of your family with other members of your hockey family uh please please uh especially this particular podcast you know spread it around you know because we kind of do want to get this message out there so if you want to share it share it with your friends share it with your neighbors share it with everybody um i personally feel that this is a pretty important topic to talk about it is it is and i'm glad that we we uh we get to take these things apart on, on our shows and on the locked on network and get to spend some time together having really weird mixed feelings about hockey. And by the way, I want to sincerely thank a lot of the teams uh, that reached out. And some of those teams are very, very friendly and very, very awesome people. Um, Just for me, having been a part of the ECHL once upon a time, like you've said, it's a very scrappy league. You know, everyone is just trying to wear different hats, trying to work their way up. And, you know, we're all in the same path. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that it, it's just it, we're we're going to have to. It's it's very much a wait and see thing of, of kind of waiting to to see does this all go off without a hitch? Like, are these ECHL teams actually successful in in having their seasons happen and not getting their whole crowd sick and and whatever? Um, I, I I think that. Like I, I want I, I have to be optimistic in in looking at this stuff because you, that's I'm not a particularly optimistic person in in, in my day to day life but like we all want this back there's there was a, a tweet like at the beginning of all of this quarantine pandemic stuff that um, I think it was it was refer, it was referencing football I think or or maybe baseball but the tweet basically said like sports are are basically like the the reward for being a functioning society uh and so you know we're seeing you know soccer teams in europe playing to full stadiums because their countries have you know figured it out and we see australia and new zealand and uh those countries that have like they shut down when they get one covid case but they 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 are able to resume their normal lives and we we are we're seeing that here we want it both ways of we want the sports we don't want to have to make the hard choices and our government will not support us in making those hard choices yeah i mean uh, you you hit of, it on the head of, you know yeah um but you know sports should not be the priority but they are and they're of a livelihood for many people and we've seen so many people we I know we both have seen lots of people be furloughed or laid off or you know put in situations because of all of this that 
you know, they don't deserve that they, you know, don't, don't, shouldn't be in this position. Uh, so I, I, it's like, I don't want it to come back, but I do because I want my friends to have jobs again. And I want the people I know to be able to continue working for their teams and everything. And it's just, every time I think about it, I just go in this spiral of like, but I want it, but it's terrible, but it should come back, but it shouldn't. Like, it's just, I it's I need I'm like the conspiracy theory like meme like the the red string on the the wall like that's that's how I feel when I start thinking about this stuff is yeah. like there's no there's no straight line no when, when it's it's super it complicated and it's kind of a microcosm of our country right now mm-hmm. it really is yep um, I think that's the place to wrap it up to a neat little bow as it were. Uh, so I think it's a decent place to end. I know this is kind of a more somber topic to talk about, but one that I do think is important to talk about. So once again, if you have uh, friends and family that you think should listen to this, definitely bring them onto this particular podcast. You know, we want to get a lot of people hearing this kind of message out there. And I will just say, like I always say at the end of every show, just stay safe out there. Uh, Sarah, where can everyone find you on the Locked On Podcast Network and also online, your writings? Um, I am on Twitter at Right Said Sarah. You can follow me there now that I'm going to actually have hockey to talk about again instead of just retweeting um, other people's stuff. Uh, Locked On Kings is available wherever you get your podcasts at, uh, at Locked On LA Kings on Twitter. Uh, you can also hear me on Locked On NHL, found again wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, and I also write about the Kings uh, rebooting my, my new newsletter uh, at Line to the Throne dot substack dot com i promise i will dunk on drew dowdy at least like once a week or something so you know something for everybody there absolutely thank you so much for coming on and talking about this very important topic i really appreciate you coming on and talking about this really very much i've got lots of feelings anytime (laughs) Uh, you can follow my podcast here at lo underscore ducks follow my personal twitter at stimpyjd and once again you can contact me at locked on Anaheim Ducks at gmail.com. And Sarah, thank you so much for coming on and happy Festivus for the rest of us. I've got so many grievances to air. This is perfect. <laughs> the perfect day to air this. All right. That's a great place to end it now. Uh, once again, you can hear this podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you hear your podcast. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast. Also subscribe to Locked On NHL, Locked On Bets, a plethora of podcasts that are suited just for you on the Locked On Podcast Network. For myself and Sarah Avampato, for Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm reminding you to stay safe out there, practice social distancing, and please, please be kind to everyone and ducks fly together.